Blog Talk Radio. pineapple from Grant Hall. Every single time. Hey, Alexis, when is this year's Army-Navy game? Army will beat Navy on December 8, 2018. No, Alexis. Army beat Navy the last two years. There is no way that is happening for a third year in a row. Army will repeat Navy on December 8, 2018. Alexis? Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Alexis. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. Three Pete. And that is how you get a squid to run. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And that's exactly what happened last year. Uh, playing a little bit later this year, but this is our annual salute to our academy's Army Navy game. Go Army! <laughs> We're gonna do a four peat. Of course, last week, uh, last year, Army beat Navy. Man, what a nail biter it was! Down to the wire, seventeen to ten for a three peat. Are we gonna have a four peat? Of course. Go Army. There's my bias. Go Army. Army Navy game today. Hi, my name is Tom Mark. Was El Presidente. This is the balance. This is what we do every single week. But a few times a year, we have a few. Uh, special shows that we like to have fun with, and the Army-Navy game is one of them. And it doesn't matter if you're Navy, Army, uh, Rick Reagan, Air Force, uh, had to work today, our official college football contributor. So we're going to be paying a tribute here in the uh, second hour uh, to our service academies. Uh, we're going to take you through uh, uh, day one at the Air Force Academy, the Naval Academy, and uh, of course, West Point. We're also going to be uh, talking a little bit about the history of the Army-Navy game 
and how far back that goes. We salute the troops today across the world. You need to do the same. If I will keep it together, I promise. Uh, coming up here in the next half hour, though, we've got Matthew Hicks going to be playing the Homer card with us. IU hits the Gator Bowl against Tennessee. It's going to be a good, uh, good matchup. And I tell you what, what a good year IU football has had. And then last night, big win against Nebraska. IU uh, wins against Nebraska. And, then, of course, the Colts have the Saints on Monday night. It is down to crunch time. It is now. We can officially say it is now must-win time for the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to be talking about that. And then, again, as I mentioned, in the uh, at the top of the second hour, we're going to do our uh, annual salute to the academies. So not a lot of me talking, uh, but just some time for you to listen and uh, kind of get a uh, feel of what it's like to be at the service academies, of course, training our officers in the military, our leaders in the military, uh, which are very well needed and respected. No matter what you might think about your government, we have the best military in the world. Also, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and SI.com is going to be back with us this week. He was out last week. We're going to be talking about their big win against the New York Giants. Well, big, maybe close. It was a win, uh, which was one that they desperately needed to hang on to any hopes of the NFC East. And I tell you what, that's a that's a division that's up in the clouds. So we'll see what happens there. Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, joins us as well. So, uh, we're going to be going through all of that in here in just a moment. Uh, also, we'll we'll catch up with Matthew Embry of WSPT up in South Bend. Our official uh, IndyCar contributor uh, is is going to uh, be be joining us as well. My name is Tom Marquez El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by a barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, Sammy, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map, dots New York to L.A. We were teenage dreaming, front seat leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone, uptown, down home, American kids. Growing up in live. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. doing Christmas music, bumper music. We've held it off as long as we possibly can. Christmas season is here among us. Maybe you got some Christmas shopping to do. Here's here's a little hint in case you're you're not hip to it yet. Go online, hit Amazon, 
It does all your shopping for you. You don't have to get out and battle the crowds. Maybe you like that. Maybe that's your thing. Uh, hopefully, you're getting all your Christmas shopping done. I, I'm proud to say I'm 98.9% done with mine. So uh, there you go. And uh, hopefully, you are in the, the same boat as we get ready for Christmas. But it is Army Navy weekend. And we're going to be spending most of the show today talking about Army, Navy, but we got some other things to talk about as well. The bowl games uh, we talked about here in just a moment, of course. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the Colts. Matthew Hicks is going to be joining us, playing the homer card with us. And then at the top of the next hour, we are going to be doing our salute to the Service Academy, something that we do every year. It's unfortunate Rick Riggin couldn't join us today as he's a Air Force. I'm Army. My son is Marines, so Navy. So we got a lot going on. And I, I know Ed's uncle or somebody's Navy. Of course, Ed is down there in the thick of it all uh, when they play there in at Annapolis in the Philadelphia area. But as you may have heard, as you may have heard, if you're if you're following and glued to the uh, f- funny season like I am, uh, and like Matthew Embry is, our official IndyCar contributor, WSBT up in South Bend, also a Notre Dame person as well as rooting for the service academies today for us as well. Follow him on Twitter at Matthew Embry. But big news coming out of the Ed Carpenter uh, world. Uh, Matthew, uh, uh, bring us up to speed of what's going on in the funny season. Well, Tom, the situation is crystal clear for Connor Daly. He is now with essentially Indiana's and Indianapolis Motor Speedway's home team, Ed Carpenter Racing. He will replace team boss Ed Carpenter himself at the Road and Street Circuits in 2020 with sponsorship from the U.S. Air Force. And in addition, he will have his own entry for the Indianapolis 500, so a three-car entry at the Speedway for ECR with Ed Carpenter, the rookie Rhinus VK, and now Connor Daly. Other drivers still looking for seats. Another name that's been dropped into the hat a little bit has been Dalton Kellett. Four-year veteran of the Indy Lights circuit, three with Andretti Autosports Junior Team, last year with Hooncoast Racing. Not the greatest of resumes, but he does bring in money. Possibilities he could end up maybe as one of the drivers for Carlin Racing in 2020. And also possibilities that A.J. Foyt could maybe sign Charlie Kimball. We talked about him being with Carlin for 2020. Of course, only seven races last year due to loss of sponsorship, but supposedly he has found more sponsorship money to go alongside his longtime partner, Novo Nordisk. And it looks like there's a good chance he could be in the number four car uh, for 2020 for A.J. Foyt, pairing with Tony Kanan, the elder statesman of the IndyCar series at this point. As for other entries of note, still question marks as to what Dale Coin Racing is going to do. It still looks like that... Sergio Sete Camara is going to be the second driver alongside Cincino Ferrucci. And if that is indeed the case, James Hinscliffe still looking uh, for a full-time ride for 2020. As we know, Sebastian Bourdais is headed to IMSA. And it looks like Spencer Piggott also is headed 
to the sports car series for 2020. As for IMSA news, Corvette Racing has now a third driver for their primary entry. Rumors persist that Nicky Katzberg, the Dutchman who last drove for BMW in the endurance events last year, will be called up to replace Mike Rockenfeller for the 2020 season. Rockenfeller has spent the last two years with Corvette, but is unavailable this year as he tries his luck in the German DTM Championship. So Nicky Kaxberg goes to Corvette, joining forces with Jordan Taylor and Antonio Garcia in the number three entry. That's a look at the updated racing news at this point. I'm Matt Embry for The Balance on blogtalkradio.com. Thank you very much, Matthew. Uh, always good to catch up. Uh, funny season. And, and you know what? It, they call it the funny season for a reason. Here we got Connor Daly has a full-time ride, and Jane Sinscliff does it. Nothing against Connor Daly, local boy, and and and, and by all accounts, it's earned his ride. Uh, and by and certainly that's a good uh, fit, a good marriage, if you will. Everybody knows Connor Daly's a better road course driver than he is an oval driver. Did very well here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, so at the Grand Prix, and we've got the Grand Prix. Is it too early to start talking about the month of May? I tell you what, we're just about six weeks away, eight weeks away, uh, till we go racing in St. Petersburg uh, with IndyCar. And, and uh, Daytona 500 is just around the corner as well. So, hey, uh, enjoy the offseason as you can as we as we get uh, ready. But Connor Daly uh, gets a full-time ride there with Ed Carpenter Racing, uh, taking over his road course series uh certainly some uh, news there with uh, around indycar appreciate matthew uh keeping us up to speed in the off season and as we get uh, closer to the regular season of indycar he'll be back on with this uh, with a regular uh regular base as well guys last week was bowl, uh, last sunday was bowl selection sunday sunday or, uh, you know, I'll play the homer card. I, I, I'm i not, I'm just not going to, you know, if, if Clay Travis love him to death, but he's in an SEC guy. He's a University of Tennessee guy. <laughs> Our social media director, uh, Melissa, also is a uh, Tennessee person. But, hey, I'm going to stand strong. Gator Bowl, IU, Tennessee. Let's see what happens. With that, so let's uh, take a quick uh, glance coming up here in in about uh, ten minutes or so. We've got uh, Matt Hicks is going to be joining us, and we're going to talking about the Indianapolis Colts and what a disappointing loss last week <laughs> and the week before <laughs> and the week before. So it's, it's kind of got them in a predicament, if you will, and uh, we've got a a. Uh, a lot of people on the injury list, so uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know, not for sure. It would be great if he can, but not for sure if T.Y. Hilton is going to be able to join us on Monday night against the Saints. And, of course, we've got the Panthers um, uh, coming up, and then we're going to finish the season off. And we have got two absolutely must-win win out. Let's talk a little bit about the college football uh, bowl games. Obviously, the national championship game down in New Orleans, and that's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and that uh, will be on January 20th. We don't know if it's going to be who that's going to be yet, 
But we could tell you it's going to be one of four teams. <laughs> we could tell you it's either going to be LSU or Oklahoma, or it's going to be uh, Ohio State, Clemson. It's going to be between – okay, so let's break this down. Number one, LSU uh, against number four, Oklahoma, uh, Saturday, December 28th, down in Atlanta. And then in uh, Arizona, out in Arizona, Ohio State versus Clemson, the winner of those two will be in the national championship game, and we'll see what happens. I hope the Big Ten gets represented. I mean, in, in uh, uh, Adam Jividen, super uh, Buckeye fan, super Browns fan, super everything Ohio fan, uh, had to play uh, daddy duty today, so he could not join us. But he uh, he will uh, be joining us as we get closer to the playoffs uh, as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with some of these other bowl games. As, as you know, So we got the, and, and this is one thing that we always like to joke about or have laughs about is the names of these bowl games. And uh, so we'll, we'll just going to have fun with the game. Uh, they, they still haven't had the cereal bowl yet and the uh, toilet bowl. I mean, I think Cheerios should step up and say the Cheerios cereal bowl. <laughs> And one of the bowl, uh, what's a tidy bowl? Tidy bowl game. <laughs> the, 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 the tidy bowl game should be exclusively reserved for uh, teams that aren't bowl eligible. But hey, let's get them to a bowl. Uh, their season went into the crapper. The tidy bowl game should be exclusively for two teams, two of the worst teams. <laughs> Who would watch that? I, you know what? I think that we we could get some people. I think you'd be surprised. Marketing is 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 a crazy beast. If you did some crazy marketing, you could do that. But makers wanted Bahamas Bowl uh, out in Nassau, Bahamas. If you got to go to a bowl game, come on, come on. It's Buffalo versus Charlotte out in Nassau uh, on December twentieth. Also on the 20th, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, Utah State versus Kent State. Uh, December 21st is Alcorn State versus North Carolina, AT&T at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium down in Atlanta. Uh, New Mexico Bowl, uh, Central Michigan versus San Diego State down at Dreamstyle Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. FBC Mortgage Cure, we're just going to kind of go through these just um, – in case you haven't heard or who they are, we're just going to kind of go through these uh, as, as they will. We'll break them down in more detail as we get closer to the games and as, as the games are happening. And, and certainly follow us on social media on at T-Balance. We'll have a lot of the information about the games as they're going on there. FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl, Liberty versus Georgia Southern down in Orlando. That's a 2.30 game. And then I'm not even going to try to say this, but it's something, something, Book of Rattan. Uh, Bo, the Shurabida, see, I speak hillbilly, but I don't speak Cajun, I guess. I don't know where, what that is. C-H-E-R-I-B-U-N-D-I. So, uh, Boca Raton, uh, Bo, I don't know why I said Cajun, because that's certainly in uh, Boca Raton and not Louisiana. I move on. I digress. I'm like Homer going back into the, the Jeff, going back into the to the bushes there. 
Cremilla Bowl, Florida International versus Arkansas State down in Montgomery, Alabama. Mitsubishi Motors, Las Vegas Bowl, Boise State versus Washington. R&L Carriers, uh, New Orleans Bowl. Appalachian State versus UAV down at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Man, they are hosting a ton of, of college football games, aren't they? They're getting their name out there. Talking about marketing, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome is going to be talked out about a lot. Coming up on December 23rd, the Bad Boy Movers, Mowers, I'm sorry, Bad Boy Mowers, a Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> Woo! Take a breath on these bowl games. UCF versus Marshall. Uh, Christmas Eve, the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii versus BYU at the Aloha Stadium in Honolulu. Home game for them. December 26th, a walk-ons Independence Bowl, Louisiana Tech versus Miami. Down in Shreveport, Louisiana. Quick Lane Bowl, uh, Pittsburgh versus Eastern Michigan, Fort Field, Detroit. Man, and we talked about this last week with Kent Sterling, that if if that was the bowl game that they decided to send IU to, that would have been a punishment, and that would have been bad news. I think, it, and, and Kent said this as well, I, I'm just going to be totally done with it all. I'm going to wipe my hands of it if IU gets sent to Detroit. So that's the bowl game in Detroit, the quick lane bowl game. It's Pittsburgh versus Eastern Michigan. Um, certainly one would think a, a very good uh, home game or uh, attendance travel game, if you will, for Eastern Michigan. Uh, but congratulations to both of those teams going. But I am so glad uh, that IU is not headed north to the uh, Military Bowl on December 27th. Military Bowl. We're talking about the military today quite extensively. Military Bowl uh, presented by Northrop uh, Grunham, uh, North Carolina versus Temple. Um, Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. New Era Pinstripe Bowl. This is another uh, bowl game that we have thought that maybe IU would end up at uh, up in at the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Michigan State versus Wake Forest there. Academy Sports plus Outdoors Texas Bowl. Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M NRG Stadium in Houston. San Diego County Credit Union. Which, by the way, in my other world, they're a client of mine. That's a whole other thing. Uh, USC versus Iowa uh, at the SDCCU Stadium in San Diego. The Cheez-It Bowl. Gotta love the Cheez-It Bowl. Air Force. Rick Riggins, Air Force. Falcons against Washington State. Chase Hill there in Phoenix. Uh, that's a late kickoff on the 27th. Over to the 28th. Notre Dame. Oh, man, we could talk a lot about what happened with Notre Dame this year, how they ended up here. A lot of Rick included and other people uh, think that maybe Notre Dame kind of got shafted here against Iowa State Camping World Stadium uh, down in Florida. Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, uh, Penn State versus Memphis. Again, uh, Penn State uh, uh, may have got the shaft there. We don't know uh, as well. And then college football playoff semifinals, we talked about them. And then over on the 30th, first responder uh, bowl, Western Kentucky versus Western Michigan. 
Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl in Nashville, Mississippi State versus Louisville Red Box Bowl. Again, this was the one that we also talked about with Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. He's uh, headed to the airport t- this morning and is unable to join us. Um, California versus Illinois. Uh, the Capital One Orange Bowl. Uh, Florida versus Virginia. Hard Rock Stadium, Miami Gardens. And then uh, New Year's Eve, the Belk Bowl. Virginia Tech versus Kentucky. Uh, and that's down in Charlotte. And Tony the Tiger Sunbow. Florida State versus Arizona State. AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Navy, which we're going to be talking more detail today. Army, Navy, go Army uh, versus uh, Navy versus Kansas State, Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium. Nova Home Loans, Arizona Bowl, Wyoming versus Georgia State. Then you've got the big six with the with the New Year's Day Bowl. And uh, I use that the Gator Bowl. So, hey, that gives you a, an update. We could go through all those, but we don't have a lot of time uh, to do that. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. It is Army-Navy game. It is uh, the salute to uh, our academies today. We're going to be talking in more detail. So right around the corner is uh, Matthew Embry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wrong Matthew. Matthew Hicks on the other side uh, going to be joining us, talking some homer card about the Indianapolis Colts, the IEU. Hoosiers had a big win last night on the on the hard court against Nebraska. Of course, again, they're headed to the Gator Bowl, so we're going to be talking about that here in just a moment. 917-889-8516. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber sharp quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. 
Believe it. Skyco could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Balance 917-889-8516 is our digits. Joining us now is the one, the great, the the great, I, I don't know, just the great one, Matthew Hicks. I, I was going to have something all lined up there for you, Matthew, but Booba or I don't know. I, just, it sounds great. Just the great I'll one. Just take great. I, I, I can hey, live in great. I mean, I can't live up to great, but I can live with it. <laughs> Unlike the Indianapolis Colts, but we're uh, salute to uh, the service academies today. Uh, Army Navy game. Uh, what say you, sir? Oh, absolutely. You know, every year, you know, it, it uh, it's awesome that they get the um, the uh, just the, the the opportunity to feature themselves mm-hmm. in the only game. Uh-huh. You know, and that's it's great. The traditions are great. You know, it's one of those that. I can't tell you who wins that game year to year. I, I don't have a vested I interest. My family, <laughs> I bet you can. Now my family's all Navy, so I, you know, I root for Navy. But, but, um, but at the same time, just the tradition and, and you know the camaraderie between the two academies. It, it is like, what an off, awesome lesson for young people to watch those two academies get together and play. You know, a great game. And, and truthfully, that man, both teams in recent years have just maybe I guess a little more so uh have just had this great success and it's it's a fun fun day to, to watch and um if the weather's not going to be great which that's football right I mean that's what it's all about so there's something about an army navy game in the snow I'm going to tell you that's just there's just something yeah. about that so Absolutely. yeah I mean uh of course army won it last year in a nail blighter um three years in a row so we'll see if we could go with a four-peat uh i'm army my son's marine so he's navy and so but it is i mean and just the the ceremonial uh everything yeah. behind it and 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 here's 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 one of the things you won't see uh in today's game you won't see a single offside penalty it'd be shocking if you do they're two of the most disciplined uh, groups and I, I tell you, it's, it's uh, President Trump will be there, like him or don't like him. But the point is, he's the Commander in Chief's Commander in Chief's trophy, and one of the uh, traditions or ceremonial things, he walks out for the uh, toss of the coin, 
at uh, the beginning of the game, depending on whichever the home team is, is where he'll be at in the first half and the second half he'll be over there. So today he'll spend his first half on the Navy sidelines, and then as part of the halftime ceremonies, he'll rock across the field with his Secret Service agents and to the Army side, and he'll spend that. And that tradition was started back with uh, John F. Kennedy. So a great time to just sit back and reflect. And, you know, it's, it's a football game, but, you know, so much so far deeper that these academies do. They train our officers, and this is where our, our salute to the service academies in the next half hour. We're going to be uh, uh, saluting the Air Force Academy, the Navy Academy, and, and uh, West Point as well. Uh, but just a, a huge, huge uh, deal because behind the scene, behind it all, they're soldiers. They're not just college kids. No, couldn't couldn't agree more. And they, they all have, uh, you know, they all have a, a, the heart of a servant to to do what they do. Um, they get their, you know, they get their training, their education, and then they go serve their country. Which, you know, I mean, what a it, there's not a more noble thing to to do that. And they, they, you know, it's great that they get to play football to showcase those abilities. But but really, in the end, they're all they're all officers. They're they're all uh, soldiers. And uh, and that's just that's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, let's get on to uh, the topic at hand, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, uh, Matthew's uh, joining us today to talk the Homer card as we're located high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. Uh, but uh, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, for a lot of reasons, and, 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 and let's talk about this. Let's unpack the white elephant in the room. I think uh, us conspiracy theorists think that this uh, – injury air quote of uh, Adam Vinatieri is a polite way for the Indianapolis Colts to send him in. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it comes down to this and maybe he'll be back next year, but my guess is that he won't. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the struggles of Adam Vinatieri. We could, we could point and maybe I don't like to lay blame only on Adam Vinatieri, but we could certainly point to a couple of three games where one might say, Hey, had it gone another way, we could have won that, and we could have been having a different conversation about the Indianapolis Colts. And certainly, it's not the the sole fault of Adam Vinatieri as to why the Indianapolis Colts are where they are at now. Uh, but in a lot of ways, the Colts are exactly where we thought they would be at about this time of year, at the beginning of the year last year, uh, not knowing what was going on with Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett. So, uh, talk with us a little bit from your view, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, Adam Vinatieri. And uh, what are your thoughts as, as to where the Colts are today? Yeah, I mean it's a, it is a it is a drag, you know. I mean it's it's unfortunate, you know. You you want uh, a player of that caliber to be able to go out on his own terms, and indeed maybe he still can, which that would be cool for him. Uh, whether that's here or elsewhere, I don't know the answer. I don't think anybody does at this point. He's saying he still would like to play, and I think if he can get healthy, knowing him, he probably will. Listen, the reality is we've seen this year, there's, there are, there are uh, 32 teams, and I think there are about 28 legitimate kickers, right? So, I mean, he'll find a spot if, if he indeed can get healthy. Whether, again, whether that's here or elsewhere, I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't like to blame it all on one guy, but the reality of it is when you lose a game in overtime – um, like you do, and you're, you're missing kicks, and you lose a game uh, by, 
by a touchdown that were that you were you know you happened to go for the full score when you could have maybe been able to get a field goal to tie. Um, listen, there, there's no question that's the case. But in general, this passing game since really since about week five has not been very good. Uh, there's uh, you know whether you want to blame it on the wide receiver injury or indeed the quarterback play, or listen, I think there's, I, I know we have a great offensive line that we, the Colts have a great offensive line, but in reality, they've not played great pass blocking, uh, uh, an effort this season at times. Um, you know, I have theories as to where that is, but I'm not, you know, I'm not smart enough to know for sure if it's indeed a, a giant drop off at the right guard or if, enough tape on the right tackle has been has been made that they can now figure out how to speed rush him. I don't know the answer to that. But but reality is, you know, it's amazing when you're six and seven, how different things look than maybe if you were you know, eight and eight and five or or, you know, it, it's it's just amazing how different the roster looks to you. Because you see holes everywhere all of a sudden. You probably didn't see those same holes if, if those two games go a different way or three games go a different way. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And that's why, you know, general managers in, in the NFL are paid so much money because they can look past the emotional part of those close losses and say, or, or close wins, for example, and say, okay, you know what? We do have an issue at the right side of our offensive line or an issue at wide receiver or an issue at linebacker. And I don't mean Leonard, by the way, he's, he's all world. But I mean, or, or safety, you know. Um, but but you know, it's it's just kind of interesting when you when you look at a team that's you know I think going to be a game under 500. Maybe they finish 500. I don't know. Uh, but they're going to be seven or not seven and nine or eight and eight, and they're at a crossroads right now. I, I think I think they have a lot of interesting decisions to make. And, and listen, I, I I think the quarterback position. It's one of those things. It's tough because I, I don't I don't have a, a, a closeness to this team like maybe I once did uh, when I was able to get to camp and, and, and talk to a few guys, but from an outsider's perspective, I don't know that there seems to be a better dude than Jacoby Brissett. I'm just not sure that he's a guy that can take a roster like this and get him to the playoffs. In other words, can he be a featured part of this roster and make the playoffs? I don't know the answer, and I'm not saying that because I think it's a no or I think it's a yes. I don't know. So, like, when you talk about giving a guy another year, I think that seems to be a legitimate roll of the dice to see maybe he can. At times, he's looked really good. Uh, through the first four weeks of the season, he led the, t- he led the league in touchdown passes. He was, he's incredibly efficient with the ball. He does not turn it over. You know, in the modern NFL, that's really what you're looking for, no turnovers and a lot of touchdown passes. Unfortunately, the passing game – whether enough again, I don't know what the answer is. What wide receiver injuries or just enough tape has gotten out there on, on Brissett, it's not been the same. So you have to you have to look at that. Well, absolutely. And you know, here here's the thing about Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's he's he shows sparks of 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 he's got the leadership of what it takes, but then oh. we see things happen. We see him make uh passes that are just I don't know. It's it's it, it's well, kind of odd, and, and not to interrupt you, but, but I, I think you're so right. The leadership, there's it's unquestioned, right? I mean that that you see, you can see that from post game, during the game, like the leadership, zero question there. 
But he, I mean, the, the reality of it is, I mean, you know, when we're watching live television and can see guys wide open and that not, that he's not getting in the ball, like, that's an issue. Now, I think last week, the first half, that, that, that was much better, uh, reminiscent of the first four weeks of the season. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said about uh, a happy medium there of, yeah, we don't want you to turn the ball over, Brissett, but at the same time, we do need you to hit guys that are that are wide open, and I don't mean to be a jerk about it because, like, I mean, I get no, it. Like, could I do it? Heck, no. But I mean, <laughs> but they are open. I mean, he's got. Re- I think the the narrative early was the receivers aren't open. Well, that's not true. They they're open. It's just he's missing them, and a lot of that is the reality of it is he's he's a second year player essentially. I mean, I know he's been in the league a while, but this is his second real season of starting, and that. Right, I mean, look right. at Jared Goff. I mean, he's regressed considerably. So I mean, it does happen. Well, they call it this – not that he's a, a sophomore per se for the league, like you said, but he's a sophomore as far as being a starting quarterback, and they call it the sophomore slump uh, for, for, uh, for a reason. Uh, how disappointed is that we've seen with our injury list? And I could go through that, but certainly one of the biggest ones that we've seen that has just uh, really riddled and, and hurt us is T.Y. Hilton and Mack and uh, just some other uh, injuries that have happened. Uh, so – I mean, we're in a situation where we have to win out at this point, and we need some help from some other teams just to even get to the playoffs. And, and, and maybe we weren't even expecting to be to the playoffs this year. A playoffs? Don't talk to me about playoffs. But, <laughs> but I mean, at well, the same time, I, I, maybe the Colts are exactly where we, at the beginning of the year, we talked about them. I think we said, hey, this might be where they're at. So, they might just be playing exactly the way we thought they would, but they had such a dynamic start. We had some hopes, but it doesn't look like that's going to well, happen. I think, I think to begin the year, we could, I'd be curious to go back to the tape, but I, I, I still feel like this, and, and people would disagree with me, and, I, and I, I'm fine with that. I still feel like this roster was good enough to win the division. I, I, I really do. Uh, the, the roster was good enough to win the division. The coaching staff is, in my opinion, the best coaching staff in the division. So I don't think there was any question in my mind they could still, even without luck, win the division. I think what's what's derailed them is depth. And we talk about this. I don't want to get into, like, another subject, but you talk about, like, what's the difference between Indiana University football this year and years past? It's depth, right? I mean, depth is what has propelled them to eight wins and, 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 a, and a nice featured bowl game. Depth is the, is the issue at this team, and obviously they had – um, they had taken a chance on Devin Funches. Injury-wise, that didn't work out. I would have been curious to see how that would have worked um, had he stayed healthy. Because he's a big receiver, a possession receiver that we've not really had here, guys, in like 20 years. I mean, it's, well, Reggie Wayne was kind of a possession guy. But, I mean, as far as the size goes. I mean, so I, it would have been interesting. But, but there was just not much depth at receiver. It was all um, young Hopes and Deion Kane, and even going back to uh, Reese Fountain, who got injured. So, yeah, I mean, the injuries derailed whatever depth you might have had. And other things have worked out incredibly well, but there's been some interesting regression, right? I mean, frankly, Pierre Desir has not had a very good year. Again, maybe that's injury. I don't know. You know, I'm not, again, I'm not as close to this team as I once was. I know he's been on the injured list and he's missed some games, but even when he's played, it's not been great. The safety position is one to me 
that both safety spots has been just really a, a mystery. Kari Willis has, has been probably the best rookie, right? I mean, he's been very good. But Hooker at times is like all world. And at other times you wonder why he's still on the roster. So that's a mystery. You know, that's, that's just, you know, he makes a lot of mistakes. But, he, but, but the big play potential is obviously there. We saw it last week. Um, and then gathers, I don't know that they know how to use gathers. I've said that for a while. I think they'd like to use him as a, as a third, third and long linebacker. But, you know, again, the depth of the position probably prevents you from doing that. Um, so it, it is, they're, it's interesting. I, you say that at the beginning of the season, I think if they'd stayed healthy, and I think it's fair to say if T.Y. Hilton had stayed healthy and Vinatieri had stayed healthy, yeah, they'd be, they'd be in the hunt for the division at this point. I don't know that a top two seed – was ever a realistic possibility with this team, even how well they were playing through those first seven weeks. But I do think the division was very, very attainable, and I think that's where the disappointment from that locker room comes in. And you want to talk about wrong team, wrong time, let's talk about Monday night's matchup with the Saints. That could get – that could be very interesting. Well, no, I was uh, that's a perfect segue into to my next question. Let's break down Monday night's game. Uh, again, against the Saints, we on the road. Eh, eh, as as as, uh, uh, as they say, one one game and move on to the next one. One and uh, one and one, if you will, uh, whatever they're saying is there. Uh, but against the Saints, so what do they got to do to win against a very good Saints on on the road? Yeah, prayer. I think is probably your first stop. Um, but you know, you're playing a very pissed off team, man. That's like, boy. You, I mean, you know, like. When I used to work with Bob Lovell on Sports Talk, he would talk about sometimes, like, listen, no matter how well or badly you're playing, sometimes it's wrong team, wrong time. And I think the Colts are playing the wrong team at the wrong time because Drew Brees is firing at all cylinders. Michael Thomas might be the best wide receiver in football, like very unheralded. Uh, he's got a chance to break Marvin Harrison's single-season record for catches. Uh, they run the ball really well. Defensively, they're the type of team that would give the Colts fits. Here's how they can beat them, though. They can beat them the same way they beat Kansas City. They can control clock, run the ball well, uh, and and have timely third-down pickups, which, uh, again, up until recently, they were awesome on third down. So I don't know that – when you look at it on paper, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, blowout. I don't know that it's a blowout, but I don't know that it's going to be close either. Well, well, we'll certainly see uh, see what happens because, uh, like we said, we'll we'll start with prayer, uh, and then we'll move <laughs> when we move forward from there. But at, at the end of the day, Colts. Let's just say the Colts win out; they don't get to the playoffs. Are we are we okay with that season? I mean, there, there comes a point where you say, yeah, either be really bad or be really good, and don't be mediocre. And I'm I, I'm feeling like unless they win the division, right now, that's just where they're going to end up at. Yeah, I, I still think they're they're probably. I think they win one more game. I think that, and I think that's probably the most likely scenario in my mind. Maybe they can find a way to win two, um, but but I, yeah, I, I I see them winning just one more. Um, so so we'll we'll see. You know, I I don't know. Um, is that a good year? No, I think in the NFL with really in my mind, unless you're really building something, unless you make the playoffs, it's not a good year. Um, again, you had a roster um, 
to uh, to make the playoffs. I think. I think at the very minimum, the wild card, if not the division, the, the, the win the division at this point is going to be very difficult. I mean, it, you need you need some small miracles. But I think to win two games to get to eight and eight is pretty realistic. Maybe they'll be seven and nine. Um, so no, I don't think that's a good year uh, with the way this team was built. Uh, it's obviously a, a three-game regression from last year, which you don't like to see. But then you go back and look at the off-season and the way it unfolded. Um, maybe, maybe you are somewhat okay with that. Um, but I think you you don't really have the answers you'd like to have. You don't have an answer at quarterback. You 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 might, but you don't know for sure. So do you use first-round draft capital on a, on a quarterback? You know, I don't know. Do you wait a year? Do you wait one more year to bring in a guy? Um, that's why these scouts and, and general managers in football are paid so much because it's it. This is big boy time. You know, you got to make a decision on Brissett really in the next year. I don't think you have to make it this off season because he could come back and even be the starter with with a rookie backup. Um, but you you've got a year to make a decision. Real quickly, uh, before we move on to some college football talk, uh, would you say Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson are Pro Bowl uh, caliber players this year, or is it only Quentin Nelson, or does the Colts not have any representation? No, Quentin Nelson is a high enough profile guard that he will make it. Um, They're they're definitely caliber. Darius Leonard should make the Pro Bowl. I don't think he will because, again, he's kind of like Michael Thomas of the Saints. He flies under the radar a little bit. He has had an all-pro I mean, you you look at Leonard, he's every bit of J.J. Watt. I mean, it just he made it a little bit smaller. But, I mean, the stat stuffing that he does, it, it, he is a transcendent defensive talent. Uh, he should be a pro bowler. I don't know if he'll make it because, you know, there's the voting nonsense now with fans. It, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the fans, they're nonsense voting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can find a way to make this game more irrelevant, they seem to find a way to do it every year. I mean, you know, have the coaches and players pick the all-stars and the uh, and the starters and go to town. I mean, but anyway, that's my little rant. He should be a pro bowler. Uh, he really should. And, uh, and so should Nelson. Uh, there's no question. And you know who's also had a sneaky good year, too, is Anthony Costanzo, by the way. He's had a very, very good year. Oh, I thought you. I, I'm sorry. I thought you were you were you were you were saying uh, something else. Hey, uh, so let's move on to IU uh, talk, if you will. Yeah. IU had a great season. IU football, good good win uh, against uh, uh, Nebraska and the basketball. Let's talk uh, some football. Tom Allen uh, got a well deserved uh, contract extension. Uh, they go to the Gator Bowl against the Tennessee Volunteers, the Vols. Uh, man, first of all. Good bowl selection. Uh, I think I think IU did better as far as the bowl bowl game goes than Notre Dame did, for that matter. I think uh, Notre yeah, Dame kind of got right, hosed. By the way. Uh, <laughs> but Notre Dame and Tennessee. I mean, I'm sorry, IU and Tennessee in the Gator Bowl. What are your thoughts? Yeah, great matchup for Indiana and to play. Um, I heard Tom Allen on uh, with Joe Stasniak. I think it was yesterday, and it was. It was really interesting because I think he was he was really excited to play down in Florida. He recruits Florida very in that region, that southeast region. He recruits down there really well. So what a great um, showcase for their their club and and what they do and and what you know what they can do on and off the field. And 
Um, and it, you know, he he said it best. It's a it's a three 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 and a half hour commercial for coming to play football at IU, and, and that's the way they're going to do it. Um, it's awesome. I, I think that Tennessee, like a, a traditionally great football program, right? But I think IU, that's a great matchup. I I, I don't know that you know. I, bowl games are usually like offensive show. You know, it's just all offense. But I think IU can slow them down. I, I watched Tennessee early. And they they've improved a lot since then. I mean, you can look at the schedule and see. You know, they they did okay in the SEC. Um, they lost obviously Georgia State. That was the big story early, um, and and then BYU. But after that, they got it together. They only lost to ranked teams after that. So they they had a they had a uh, a conference season similar to Indiana. They beat the teams they should have, and unfortunately, they came up. Um, short and considerably short against the teams that were that were favored. So I, this looks like to be a good matchup. Um, I think IU will be, from what I heard Alan say, relatively healthy. And what a great opportunity for IU. I mean, the IU, I think, is where they wanted to be um, for the last, gosh, what, 18 years now. Maybe not uh, a realistic Big Ten contender every year, but every three or four years, they're going to be really, really good. And they seem to have that trajectory. They have great depth. They recruit very well. Uh, you look at the, some of the last uh, high-profile recruits they've gotten. It's, I think if you're an IU football fan, this is a time to be really excited to, to see your team have a chance to win every week. And, I mean, I think at this point after some recent struggles, that's, at this point I think that's what IU fans are looking for, just to be – uh, given a, a chance to not go into playing Ohio State and knowing this is going to be a terribly long day. At least if things go right, you can be in it in the fourth quarter, which, I mean, there were a couple games they weren't. Ohio State's, like, special. I, I, that's probably a bad example. But but for the most part, I mean, this, this team is, is one that can be competitive with just about anybody now. Well, we're excited to see what happens. Our social media director, Melissa, is uh, – uh, big Tennessee Volunteers fan, so uh, okay. I may have to have her go somewhere else for the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matthew Hicks, uh, I appreciate you joining us. Always uh, welcome to have you on and help me play the, the homework card today. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom? Where can people find your work in Masterpiece of Uh I'm on Twitter, uh, HicksM05. Uh, we'll see what – you know. I've done the radio thing uh, for a few weeks. I was uh, did all the championship games, well, two of the championship yes. games for the uh, high school. That was great. What a great weekend that always is. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what's next. But, uh, hey, don't sleep on the Pacers. They may be a, uh, a sneaky contender come this second half of the season when they get Oladipo back and get oh, all yeah. their pieces in place to uh, make a run. Nice win last night against the uh, the Falcons. Yeah. Of course, got the Hornets and the Lakers coming into town uh, later this, uh, this next week. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, should be fun. All right, Matthew, you have yourself a good weekend, sir. Hey, you too. Thanks for go, having me. Go Army. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right, we'll see you. Matthew Hicks uh, joins us to help us play the Homer card. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. When we get back, we're going to do our annual salute to the academies right here on the Balance Radio Network.
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber sharp quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're hitting my eyes. we It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. It is time to kick off our annual salute to the academies. It is Army-Navy game. Uh, Go Army. Will they win four in a row? Man, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Of course, Navy comes in pretty tough. We talked a little bit about that in in the first uh, uh, half hour and a little bit with Matthew Hicks as well, how disciplined these two teams are. Let's take a moment. Let's uh, salute our academies and – what we're going to do here is something a little bit different. Uh, very personal uh, time for me. I'm a, an Army guy. My son's in Marines, uh, multiple deployments to Afghanistan. Uh, you don't know how free our freedom is. And this, this week, I don't care what side of the fence you are on with Donald Trump. He's still our commander-in-chief. Uh, whether or not you like it or not like it, 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 it is the fact. And today, the Commander-in-Chief's trophy will be given away, and Donald Trump will be there. A lot of ceremonial stuff goes on. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't understand. But take some time today to watch this game. 
and enjoy your your freedom. So what we're going to do here is we're going to uh, just play some sound bites uh, to kind of uh, set set the theme, if you will. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to uh, play a little sound bite here that talks a little bit about some of the things you may not know about the Army Navy game. And then we're going to go through day one of the West Point, the Naval Academy, and the Air Force Academy, and we're going to end with TAPS. And then we'll go into our, our last half hour with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. We salute the military. We support them here. And um, let's, uh, let's, do, let's get this underway. Our, our salute to the academies starts now. one of the most talked about games of the year. The rivalry that goes all the way back to 1890. This is five things you don't know about the Army-Navy football game. enduring rivalries in college football. But before this historic matchup started, Army didn't even have a real football team. What happened was, in 1890, Army cadet Dennis Mitchie won West Point to start a football program. So to convince the school to do this, he got several friends who played on Navy's football team to challenge Army to a game. Well, Mitchie got to put his team together, and he served as both captain and coach for it. But because he was the only Army player with any real experience, the Navy midshipmen won a resounding 24-0 victory. Mitchie, however, was not discouraged by the loss. The following year, he stayed on as captain and, with the assistance of another coach, helped lead Army to victory, beating Navy 32-16. Today, for his role in helping start both the Army football program and the rivalry, Mitchie is often referred to as the father of the Army-Navy game, and West Point's Mitchie Stadium is named in his honor. In November 1952, Dwight D. Eisenhower was elected the 34th President of the United States. A decade before that, he was appointed Supreme Allied Commander in Europe during World War II. And three decades before that, he secured himself a spot on Army's football team. In fact, as a running back and linebacker on the 1912 team, Eisenhower holds the distinction of being the only president in history to play in the Army-Navy game. He wasn't, however, the only great general to play. Another celebrated World War II hero, General of the Army Omar Bradley, was actually on the same team with Eisenhower. touchdown is just one of many to come. The Heisman Trophy is the most coveted and prestigious award in college football. And Army and Navy hold the distinction of being two of only 17 schools in the nation to have multiple players win it. For Army, the recipients are Doc Blanchard in 1945, Glenn Davis in 1946, and Pete Dawkins in 1958. 
Navy's winners are Joe Bellino in 1960 and Roger Staubach in 1963. His coach says Staubach has a sixth sense to do the right thing at the right time. He scores on the field, and now he scores with the sports writers. were probably the high points of the Army-Navy rivalry. In both years, Army was ranked number one, Navy was ranked number two in the nation. But because World War II was going on at the time, President Franklin Roosevelt realized he could use this great rivalry to help support the war effort. And so, he had the 1944 game double as a war bond drive by requiring all attendees purchase bonds along with their tickets. This resulted in more than $58 million being raised. As a side note, when Army beat Navy 23-7 in that year's game, General Douglas MacArthur, who himself had once served as a manager of Army's football team, actually sent Army's head coach a telegram from the Pacific. It read, the greatest of all Army teams, stop. We have stopped the war to celebrate your magnificent success. On November 22, 1963, the world was shocked by the news of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And in the days that followed, all sorts of national events, including the Army-Navy game, which was scheduled for November 30th, were suddenly canceled as the nation went into mourning. Well, that might have been the end of that year's contest, were it not for the fact that First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy requested the game be rescheduled. You see, JFK, who was himself a World War II naval hero, was a huge fan of the event. So rather than cancel it, his family realized the game could help the nation heal. So, on December 7, 1963, Army and Navy finally met in front of a crowd of 102,000 people. The box that President Kennedy would have sat in was decorated in black rosettes and flag bunting and left empty as a silent tribute. And after an incredibly intense and emotional contest, Navy walked away with a 21-15 victory. By the way, that game was played in Philadelphia at what was then known as Municipal Stadium. The following year, that stadium was renamed John F. Kennedy Stadium in memory of the president. John F. Kennedy Stadium in Philadelphia. The cadets of Army face the midshipmen of Navy. It's a long-lasting tradition that the President of the United States will spend one half of the game sitting on Army's side and one half of the game sitting on Navy's side. Today, President Kennedy is a neutralist, and at halftime, he switches from the Navy side to the Army side. Do you know how and when this practice started? If so, Post your answer below, or reach out to us through Twitter using hashtag 5ThingsYouDon'tKnow. And we continue our salute to the Academies. Five things you may not know about the Army-Navy game. One of the best uh, games uh, to watch. And just, just as a free American, you don't have to know anything about football. Just support your troops. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take you through day one. So we're just going to kind of roll through this. Uh, I'll just kind of do a, a quick intro to each day. We're going to do day one at the academies, and then we'll finish off with taps before we move on 
uh, with uh, the show with uh, Ed Kratz and Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, so we're going to start with day one at West Point. sun-drenched June morning, 1,200 new cadet candidates surrounded by their families receive a warm welcome to West Point's reception day. For all concerned, our day is the first day of a radically new life. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. We are the approachable ones down here, okay? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to welcome you to the United States Military Academy at West Point. To the candidates, you are now about to take your first step into becoming an Army officer and a member of the Long Gray Line. When you leave here, you'll receive your initial cadet uniform, get your first free haircut, you'll meet the cadet in red sash, you'll perform some drill and ceremony. It's a full day, but you'll do well. Remember, every cadet you meet today all survived their RDA experience as well. You have 90 seconds to say your goodbyes. For the West Point class of 2015, the transition from family embrace to military precision happens in an instant. The basic goal of our day is shocking you that you are now at West Point, you're no longer at home. I'm not going to laugh anymore, right? I'm not going to smirk off anymore. Yes, sir. Two sergeants, two bars, and a great showman sergeant. Get back in line. Introducing you to the academy and a military lifestyle, inculcating you from high school student to civilian to soldier. And nothing screams soldier quite like a buzz cut. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you now? Good. Good. I'll just take a breath. Welcome to my chair. My name is Two Minute Kit, because I can take it off faster than you can grow it. So my hair. Where are you from, Curly? Houston, Texas. Wow, all my exes are from Texas. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> for the newly shorn cadet candidate, there is no time for regret. Next up, a march into the red sash buzzsaw. This rite of passage requires the new cadet to perform one seemingly simple task. Step up to a senior cadet in a red sash and correctly recite an assigned sentence. New cadet, step up to my line, not on my line, not over my line, not behind my line. The cadet with the red sash, it's a nerve-wracking moment. New cadet, report. New cadet, Winston reports to the cadet in the red sash for the 11th time, as ordered. This is not difficult. Not at all, sir. Do you know how difficult basic training is? Do you know how much you are going to be tested in the coming weeks? New cadets quickly discover that at West Point, there is no margin for error. Move out to the retrain area and get retrained on how to report to the cadet in the red sash. You understand, new cadet? Yes, sir. Pick up your bags and move out. I'm not trying to make you fail. I'm not here to haze you. I'm not here to play games with you. You simply have to say one sentence correctly and report to me. Pick up your bags and move to the retrain area. Move back to the retrain area and fix yourself. Yes, sir. New cadet Winston reports to the cadet in the red sash for the 12th time as ordered. You're on my line, new cadet. You're still on my line, new cadet. You are in the Army now. 
We are not part of the Navy. We are not part. We aren't civilians anymore, for that matter. You are in the Army. Sergeant Felby, he did it. Thirteen times, he finally did it. Terry Baggett, an incoming football player, received the same special treatment, even from a future teammate. Is that how we talk to officers? We remove the attention. Chilling out. Just one bug from shoulders. Hey, sir. You forgot the commission. What position are you at right now when you're talking to me? As a platoon sergeant, I have seven football players within my platoon, and I'm going to treat them just like they're any other new cadets. What's so funny, new cadet baggage? I don't understand. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to let them know I'm a football player. Basic training can quickly turn a cadet's world upside down, making it tough to tell their left from their right. The class of 2015 undergoes a high-intensity initiation in all aspects of the Corps. Right, go. So it's letting them know there's a standard, you have to meet the standard, and you're going to be held to this standard for the entirety of your cadet career. You are a part of Charlie Co., the best company in the cadet basic training regiment. Is that understood, new cadet? Yes, sir, Outstanding, new cadet. Reception day culminates on the plane. Here, the parade of new cadets march across the hallowed ground, the site of the first Army-Navy football game in 1890, and the place where countless soldiers took their first steps into American history. The new cadets in formation in front of you represent all that's great about America. Volunteering to attend West Point during a time of war is uniquely patriotic, and it speaks volumes to the depth of their commitment and the strength of their character. Every one of you is important to the class of 2015 and has a positive contribution to make to your classmates, West Point, and to our Army. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest cadets at the United States Military Academy, the class of 2015! Day one, reception day, is behind them only four years until graduation. And we continue our Salute to the academies. It is Army-Navy game, one of the biggest games, but most patriotic game. And hope you enjoyed uh, what it so much goes into being an Army officer. Uh, trust me, I know. But just it all starts with day one. So we're going to start with day one at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Thursday in June, over 1,100 incoming freshmen, or plebes, arrive at the United States Naval Academy, where future officers prepare to be commissioned into the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps. To be accepted in the United States Naval Academy, it's a uh, very rigorous process. It's a very competitive process. How are you? We were there for day one, known as Induction Day, or I-Day, which marks the beginning of their time at Annapolis. 
I knew I wanted to serve my country, so I knew I wanted to join the military. I just want to do something bigger than myself. I'm just so proud of them. We have worked really long and hard for this moment, and we just feel like all the hard work pays off. Good morning. Welcome aboard. I-Day kicks off Plebe Summer, a challenging six-week basic training program that all future midshipmen are required to complete. It's a difficult program designed to be that way because what we're developing here, the leaders that we're developing, uh, we expect to be uh, enduring leaders. Just over 7% of the more than 16,000 applicants were admitted to the academy. 26% of the incoming class is female. It's pretty amazing to go in with my twin sister. We've always had a really special bond. And 40% is represented by minorities. This incoming class is probably one of our uh, most diverse in recent uh, years. We want everybody to be on the same even playing field so that we can build a common foundation for them to continue to grow upon. Located just 32 miles from Baltimore, the Academy is situated on the banks of the Chesapeake Bay. It was founded in 1845 by Secretary of the Navy George Bancroft. Annapolis graduation and ship assignments for fleet duty go out to 384 new ensigns. So it's goodbye to midshipman days and into officerhood, then to the seven seas, the call of duty for these new officers of a mighty fleet. Good morning, big guy. What's your name? Matthew. Where are you from? Alabama. Once inside Alumni Hall, the plebes follow a green line that takes them through 23 different processing stations. Line up by your last name. Permits report packet out. The second station gives the plebes one last chance to discreetly dispose of any fake IDs, alcohol, or drugs. The plebes are breathalyzed and screened by medical personnel. Female plebes have to take a pregnancy test. Here you go. Enjoy. Each plebe is issued a 225-page book called Reef Points that introduces them to the Navy and the Naval Academy. Plebes are expected to memorize more than 1,000 facts in the book, You're gonna love it. which they'll be tested on throughout the summer. Before they get their uniforms, all plebes have to make one more stop. The barber shop. There you go. Male plebes shave their heads. Oh my god. Female plebes can wear their hair in a tight bun. Otherwise, it must be no longer than chin length. Then it's time for the plebes to get their gear. After uniform issue, they transfer all of their belongings into a single bag. First bitch response, you'd have to meet is, sir, yes, sir. Sir, sir, yes, sir. Sir, no, sir. Sir, no, sir. Before leaving Alumni Hall, they learn the Navy's basic customs and courtesies, including the proper way to salute. After that, the plebes head to their dorm at Bancroft Hall. And assemble on an area known as Red Beach. What do you keep smirking for? You really think this is a game or something? 
A select group of third-year midshipmen are known as detailers. No running, just walk fast. And are tasked with teaching proper protocol to the plebes. Now study and know the entire chain of command. Do you understand me? Sir, yes, sir. And to correct them when necessary. Your left hand, what do you think is wrong with it? That's right. I don't even have to tell you, right? Because you knew it was wrong. So then let it happen again. Don't shake your head. These detailers have a genuine concern for every single one of these men and women coming into our class because these are the members that are going to be part of our family come fall. Tuck it in. Get it away. Get it away. It's all right, sir. It's all right, sir. These are the ones that we're going to serve with in the future, and they want them to be the best that they can possibly be. Tuition at Annapolis is free, but midshipmen commit to five years of active duty service after graduation. While at Annapolis, midshipmen receive a salary of $1,087 per month. After graduation, the money they save will be waiting for them. Family members gather for one last look at the class of 2023 before plebe summer begins. Everything the plebes learn on I-Day culminates in the oath ceremony held in Tecumseh Court. Class of 2023, please rise. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duty of the office upon which you are about to enter? So help you God. get 45 minutes to spend with their families and to eat since this is the last meal they'll get that isn't cooked in the academy mess hall. After 45 minutes, the plebes have to say goodbye. into Bancroft Hall. And when the doors close, their journey to becoming midshipmen officially begins. Day one at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, 
not too far from Baltimore. Of course, today's game will be played in Philadelphia at Lincoln uh, Field. And as you heard there at the very end of that segment there, one of the things they're required to say before becoming midshipmen is to beat Army. That's how big this game is. Uh, we, we're doing our salute to the academies. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. We now do day one at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Follow the Bulldog. Becoming an officer in the world's greatest Air Force. The cadre are here to prepare you for the challenges you will face, both as cadets and as officers. It is our responsibility to bring out the warrior spirit within you, to instill courage, to push you beyond your limits. Our heritage includes warriors like Lieutenant General Robert D. Beckel, Lieutenant General Susan J. Helms, Captain Lance P. Zijon, Captain Balmore Bork and First Lieutenant Carl W. Richter. appreciate you uh, taking some time over the last 30 minutes to salute uh, the academies. We started with day one at West Point. We went to day one at the Naval Academy. We went in day one at the Air Force Academy. Um, It's so important that we understand the freedoms that we have because it's much more than a football game. 
uh, it's our, our freedom to, to sit here and talk about sports, to talk about football. But more deeply than that, these cadets, these students are soldiers. Many of them will go to, to war. Many of them will never come back. We end our salute to academies, to the salute to those that have not returned with TAPS. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barber sharp quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there next to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Hey, that's gross to me. 
There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billy, Billy. My Billy. Billy, where are you, Billy? So I need to talk to you regarding money. I stomped on all the fun chunks. My grief has a scent like suffering. A rusty navel? How'd it get rusty? Look at this bug. It's an honor to meet you, my lord. Winkle, winkle, wink, whittle ghost, and kiss the pickle as you haunt your tree. our annual salute to the service academies it is army navy game we've been talking about that all day long also thank you to matthew hicks who play, play the homer card with us and talking about uh the despicable state that the indianapolis colts have found themselves in but joining us now ed kratz beat writer for the philadelphia eagles our official nfl contributor from uh si.com and uh beat writer for the philadelphia eagles also mo from the bs sports show mo how are you sir Mo, are you with us? Okay, we'll go with Ed. Ed, are you with us? <laughs> I I am with you. Yeah. How you doing, Tom? I, I I see Mo there. Mo, can you hear us? Well, Mo, just jump in here anytime. I'll shoot you a text. <laughs> but <laughs> so, is that you, uh, Mo? Can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you. All right, all right. Have me worried there for a minute. I could see you there. I just thought maybe you had you'd fallen off into the black hole or something. Well, today, guys, is our salute uh, to the academies, our uh, official Army Navy game. Uh, in the last half hour, we uh, did a salute to the academies day one at the West Point, day one at Naval Academy, and day one at the Air Force Academy, and ended this segment with the playing of taps. We'll start with uh, with you, Ed. Obviously, this year's game is right there in your your backyard at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you get a chance to go out there or not, uh, but what are your thoughts about this annual uh, rivalry, one of the oldest and most uh, dearest? It doesn't matter if you like football or don't like football. The point is this is a far more than a football game, and it gives an opportunity for us to showcase our military. Yeah, uh, I've been to several Army-Navy games, you know, just because it is right here in Philly. And, you know, the best part of – Army Navy isn't the game. It's all the pregame pomp and circumstance sure. that they have. And um, just a terrific spectacle uh, of the military on display. And I, I just love that part of it. And, you know, if you're going to go to the game, you just don't show up for kickoff. You show up hours in advance and you sit there and you watch everything that takes place because it's just a fun thing to see and be a part of. And, uh, you know, for Philadelphia is fortunate to uh, – uh, to have it uh, for so many years, you know, I know it's been the Baltimore on occasion, but, um, you know, really it is, you know, Philadelphia where it got its start and continues to be. And uh, it's very, it's supported very well. You know, there's always a good crowd on hand and uh, professional football stadium, which is a big deal for these guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, game, great tradition. Uh, love it. I won't be able to get there today. There's a lot of rain overnight in the Philadelphia area. Uh, it might even rain during the game. I think it's supposed to clear off, though, and 
uh, might see some sunshine. But, uh, yeah, the game itself, you know, I think uh, Navy is favored by double digits. But, you know, again, this rivalry being what it is, those those lines don't mean a whole lot. They, uh, you know, they're, both teams want to beat each other very badly uh, for bragging rights. So uh, I expect it to be a close game. But, I, you know, I think Navy – uh, might have a little more firepower uh, this year. And I know Army's won, I think, three in a row in this uh, yeah. series. Um, so, but I think Navy kind of ends that today. Uh, and I'm a Navy guy. You know, I have Navy in my family. I've never right. been in the right. branch of the military, but uh, a lot of family uh, that have served in the Navy. So I guess you could say I'm a Navy guy. Well, I'm a, I'm a split card. Everybody knows I'm Army, but my son is in the Marines, so he's going Navy. Uh, so, yeah, you're right, the, the ceremonial part of it. And, you know, again, not a political show, but like Trump or don't like Trump, he's still the commander-in-chief. It's the commander-in-chief's trophy, and one of the traditions is that you know, he'll start out – well, today it'll be the Navy, but depending on the, uh, the home game, he'll start out on the home side, and then in the second half he'll go across – the field with him and the Secret Service agents to the other uh, side of the field. Uh, so a huge uh, opportunity to showcase our military and what it's all about. Mo, what are your thoughts on Army Navy game, sir? Well, being Canadian, I normally don't even watch it, but uh, <laughs> I'll probably check it out. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun, popping circumstance, you know. Like, and like I said, you you go to the game, you get there hours early to uh, to check out all all the goings on, and it's a very emotional game, uh, and it's a fun one to watch uh, every single year. So I'll be tuning in, checking it out today. Well, absolutely, and that's what I was uh, I was talking uh, with Melissa, our social media person, is just that, you know, th- this is a big game, and, you know, a lot of the things that happen, uh, be, 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 the game is the, the pre-ceremonial game. So let's get into some NFL talk. Uh, we'll start with your Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Ed, last week, good win against the, the, the Giants. I texted you. I said maybe they still have a shot to win the NFC East because, Hey, it's the NFC East, and this year everybody is kind of struggling for their, their spot in the cake. But uh, uh, Eli Manning, I saw a lot of Eagle fans uh, uh, were glad to, to see Eli Manning uh, uh, as well. But uh, break us through that win. And of course, uh, the Colts have a Monday night game this week against uh, the Saints. Uh, but a good win against the Giants. Close win. Uh, they tried to give it away, but uh, what's going on with the Eagles? Well, you know, the Eagles have a roster that looks like the practice squad from August or, you know, a preseason game from August. They they have four practice squad players that they've called up within the last month to uh, fill in for, uh, you know, some of these hurt guys they have on offense. You know, Alshon Jeffrey just went on injured reserve, joining Deshaun Jackson there. And, of course, they lost two running backs in Sproles and Corey Clement to the injured reserve list this year. So uh, they're going in very young, uh, you know, the cast of characters that, Certainly they didn't expect to play a role, um, you know, back in August when they cut these guys and then brought them back on the practice squad. And, uh, those guys really showed up against the Giants on Monday night. I'm talking about guys like Boston Scott, who had a very good game, Greg Ward at receiver, uh, and Josh Perkins, who was, uh, had a role also. The three of those guys accounted for 199 yards of total offense between running and catching the ball. And uh, that kind of kept the Eagles season alive. I guess it was a big win. It came against the two-win Giants team. There's always crazy things that happen in that Giants-Eagles series. Uh, you know, there have been a couple miracle of the Meadowlands-type plays, and the Eagles in two, two years ago won with a 61-yard field goal uh, by a rookie kicker that kind of propelled them on their Super Bowl run. So uh, these games are always close. 
the Giants had that big lead at halftime, 17-3. to three. The Eagles got booed off the field. Uh, half the crowd left at halftime, uh, kind of figuring the season was over. Uh, in the rain, it was a rainy night, uh, but the Eagles somehow found a way to come back and, uh, and notch that win. Carson Wentz had two touchdown drives late, you know, with a minute 53. They let them on a six-minute drive, and they scored with a minute 53 to go to tie it, and then they won the toss and won it in overtime. And uh, that was the first time they've ever come back from a two-touchdown deficit at halftime since week one of the 2014 season. Um, so you got to give them credit in that regard. Even though the Giants, it was their ninth straight loss, it was still a big win, kept their season alive, and now they go to Washington. Uh, three-win team, uh, but playing better. They've won two out of their last three. They played the Packers fairly tough last week. And, you know, the Eagles beat the Redskins in the week one season opener, but they needed two touchdowns from Deshaun Jackson and two from Alshon Jeffrey to do it. Uh, They were down 17 to nothing in that game, but they came back. And now Jeffrey and Jackson aren't there, and they're in Washington, which will probably be an Eagles home game because nobody goes to the games in Washington anymore to root for the Redskins. Uh, that's pretty sad. I mean, it was kick it, proud four dollars. Come on, here, free kick it. <laughs> yeah, that's Come it. On. That's it. It's, it's going to be an all Eagles crowd. You know, it's two hours down the road, two and a half hours down the road, and uh, you're going to see a lot more Eagle fans than Redskins fans. But still, it's going to be a tough game for the Eagles, especially as undermanned as they are. Um, you know, and it's kind of a must-win deal. Now, it's weird because if the Eagles win tomorrow. Uh, and the Cowboys lose, the Eagles could wrap up the NFC East by beating the Cowboys in Philadelphia next week, uh, and they could rest everybody for their final game against the Giants, and they would have eight wins and be the division champ, which is kind of a joke, but that's just the way the NFL is. And, you know, you win your division, you, you, you get a home game in the playoffs, and that's the way it's always been. There have been teams with losing records that have done that. Uh, and the Eagles might be the next one, or even the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys play the Rams. That's going to be a tough game. Um, but the Rams are, they have eight wins. They may end up with nine or 10 wins and they won't get in the playoffs, the, the Rams. So, uh, it's just the way the NFL set up though. Yeah. And I think we're going to be seeing the end of a, of a Jason Garrett. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a minute to uh, Mo, your uh, Cleveland Browns are out in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals. What say you? Well, I mean, you know, things seem like they're going to go off the rails any second here, the rest of the way for the Browns. So, this week might be the week that happens because the Browns' defense obviously a lot worse now. Uh, so the uh, the play of Kyler Murray could uh, just want to derail this team. The offense has been terrible. Baker Mayfield doesn't know kind of when to keep his mouth quiet about certain things. If Odell Beckham's gone next year, you know, it's the same training staff he's going to have to work with, so I don't understand him calling them out. It's just been a complete cluster for the Browns this season. And like I tried to caution Browns fans numerous times on my show this year, as, as exciting as the roster was, you had a first-year head coach, first-time head coach, and this team uh, didn't look very disciplined throughout the offseason, and they've proven it on the field so far this year. So uh, this could wind up being a debacle for the Cleveland Browns in the desert. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly uh, see what happens. Mo, how big of a beast is this Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? First of all, uh, I, I mean, he's a fantasy football. Anybody that has him, has just been dominating their fantasy football league. I am not one of those. I have been the victim of a Lamar Jackson fantasy whip down uh, two or three times this year. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, real big beast, uh, and he broke uh, Michael Vick's single rushing yards uh, uh, recently. How? Are, I mean, is he as good as he appears to be, or is this a 
Is this is he a running back? Is he a quarterback? Because he's a quarterback and plays like a running back, much like Michael Vick. Uh, we could we could say that. I do want to talk about Michael Vick here in a minute. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, is he the real deal? I mean, he seems to be. Well, it's starting to seem like it, and I think one of the things that's helped Lamar Jackson is he's really tried to work on his uh, passing game. You know, that's one of the things that we haven't seen uh, from other running quarterbacks. They haven't been as good uh, throwing the football maybe as, as they should have been. You know, I think a lot of people were cautious on him because of what we saw with, uh, you know, the RG3s of the world, uh, you know, kind of being one-dimensional and being hurt because of all the running. You know, I think maybe Eagles fans would think that Carson Wentz shouldn't have run so much uh, as well. So it, uh, people, I think, were very cautious. And, you know, you kind of looked for him in the second season uh, for defenses to, you know, kind of clamp down on him. Okay, we've, we've seen him last year. We had eight or nine games of him last year. We've seen it, what he can do. Let's play him down, but I think that, you know, he's tried to add new wrinkles to his game, and you're right, he is a quarterback built like a running back. So, so far, nobody's really been able to uh, put the clamps on him, and they've got a pretty good team around him as well. Uh, so, when you've got speed uh, at uh, every skill position on offense, it makes it very difficult for a defense, and I think tires him out pretty quickly. And what are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson? I mean, is he as, is he as real as they get? I mean, is he an MVP player this year? I think Right now, you almost have to give it to him. I agree. I think he's the MVP. But, I, you know, I think if you go back to him, to back when he came out in the draft a couple of years ago, I, he was I, – if you pull one of your tapes from your older shows, you'll see I, – I like Lamar Jackson uh, as my favorite quarterback coming out in that draft. That You know, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did in the draft. You know, he went uh, late in the first round of the Ravens. And they, I think the Ravens even picked somebody before they picked Jackson. So – uh, I just think you have to give all the credit in the world to the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, for uh, developing a system much like he had when he was in San Francisco and Colin Kaepernick uh, was his quarterback uh, of having success and being able to utilize the skill set of his quarterback. And, you know, he, you know, Lamar ja- uh, yeah, Jackson is much better than Kaepernick was, and Roman is doing the same things with Jackson that he did with Kaepernick, but Jackson is just better. Um, it'll be interesting to see when Roman gets a head coaching job this offseason, which I'm pretty sure he will, um, what happens with that system and how Jackson does going forward. Because to me right now, uh, as great as he is, I think he's kind of a system quarterback uh, who is, has a great ability to run, which calls into question, uh, can he stay healthy? You know, the accumulation of hits, we see what it does uh, to NFL running backs. They don't seem to have a very long shelf life. So, We'll see how long of a career Jackson has if he can't kind of transition into being more of a, uh, you know, a throwing quarterback or someone that he can get on the, on the, you know, get outside the pocket to have success, which they do. But it'll be interesting to see if he keeps running how long his career lasts because uh, eventually, you know, guys get bigger, guys get faster, and eventually they shut down quarterbacks like this. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how far – uh, he can go into his career. But right now, to me, he's the MVP of the league, and the Ravens are the, are the number one threat to win the Super Bowl because of Lamar Jackson. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the New England Patriots and the uh, mistaken taping of the Bengals. First of all, it's the Bengals. Come on. The Bengals got to try real hard not to even win so they can get the number one draft pick. But it's the Bengals. Apparently what happened here, to bring those up to speed, uh, there was a videographer there at the Bengals game uh, doing one of their uh, online shows called Do Your Job, and it was featuring one of their scouts. Apparently there was some taping. They turned it all over to the NFL. 
said it was a complete accident. Uh, Bill Belichick said he knew nothing about it. Uh, but my question, uh, Mo and Ed, for that matter, uh, we'll start with you, Mo. Is this Spygate the sequel? Because uh, we always know the sequel's never as good as the first one. But, or, or is this really just a, a mistake in human error, and they need to fire the uh, videographer uh, team and and uh, that did it because it's not a good look? Oh, well, you know, it brings lots of questions to mind. If Bill Belichick feels like he has to videotape the Cincinnati Bengals this year, I'm going to question everything I've ever thought about how good of a coach he is. I, I think it was an honest mistake. I can't believe that the, the Patriots would be that worried about taping the Bengals. Now, if this would have been, you know, against the Ravens, uh, you know, or the Chiefs, yeah, all right, I would have I would have had my doubts. But having to tape the Bengals this year, I think me, you, and Ed could grab up some of our friends and beat the Bengals this year. So, I, uh, I I find it hard to believe they were actually meaning to tape the Bengals plays. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts on this? Is this a Spygate, the sequel, or just a human error? Well, I, I don't give the Patriots any benefit of the doubt whatsoever. They've cheated in the past, and what's to prevent them from cheating again? I mean, any kind of edge they can get, whether it's against a one-win Bengals team or a, you know, a 10-win uh, Seahawks team, I mean, I, they're going to cheat. I mean, they're going to get whatever edge they can get, and it doesn't matter who it comes against. I know you can scrounge up, you know, me, you, Mo, and everybody else to beat the Bengals, but uh, I still don't give the Patriots any benefit of the doubt. I think the NFL needs to come down hard on the England like they kind of did during uh, Spygate. I think they should be penalized the draft pick. Um, you know, Bill Belichick hardly says any, you know, hardly says three or four words to the media when they ask him a question, but yet when he's questioned about uh, this incident, all he's, he's a, suddenly a chatty Kathy. So I don't know. That's I just, right. I just think it's a bad look, and I think he's, they're guilty of sin, just like they've been, uh, you know, throughout his career. No, I, I, I take your side on it, but I can see uh, Mo's side on it uh, as well. Mo, let's uh, let's uh, start walking around the league here. Your uh, uh, Bears are against the Packers, big rivalry game. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts tomorrow there in the Lambeau? Well, you know, normally I think I would have an opinion on this one, but at this point I have no freaking clue because you wonder what, which Mitchell Trubisky are you going to get. Are you going to get the one who's seen the last couple of games who feels like the Mitchell Trubisky maybe of a year ago, <laughs> which Bears defense is going to show up. Uh, so, you know, and, and we haven't seen the Packers play as well the last couple of weeks. So, honestly, I it sounds terrible, but I have no clue because I, I don't know which Mitch is getting on the plane so it, uh, it could be one where the Bears just look phenomenal again, or it could be one like early season where they look like they don't belong playing in the NFL anymore. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see which, uh, which teams for both of these teams show up. If Trubisky shows up and they can get this offense going early again, and I think that's the key is to get points on the board early. Obviously, that, that's a key for anything, but for the Bears especially, getting Mitch confidence early, uh, getting him in the end zone early, uh, I think is big for him. You've seen when they struggled. Uh, in the first half, he's kind of falling apart. So I think getting uh, getting him some confidence early is big for the Bears if they're going to try to get a win in Lambeau this week. Ed, two teams that are getting hot right now, and really you kind of wouldn't think that the, that the Panthers would be with their coach, but uh, the Seahawks certainly are getting hot. They, they're on the road against uh, my granddaughter's Panthers, uh, who will be here next weekend. The Panthers will be. Uh, but the Seahawks against my granddaughter's Panthers. Always got to throw in my granddaughter, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Um, yeah, the Seahawks, well, I mean, look, they are uh, in a fight for the uh, West Division title with the Rams. Um, I think they have 10 wins, and they're coming off a loss to the Rams last week. And um, You know, they're a game, I believe, behind the 49ers who have 11 wins. So, 
you know, they need to win this game to keep pace. And, you know, you're right about Carolina. They're kind of, I mean, they're playing okay. They're firing Ron Rivera, very popular coach in that locker room was a bit of a surprise um, that they would can him so quickly. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know how they're going to react this time of year. This late in the season, a lot of it's about motivation, which team is more motivated and which team kind of has its eye on the off season. You know, the holidays are coming. The season will be over uh, for a lot of these teams and a lot of these players. And, you know, the season's over for Carolina. They have nothing really to play for. So it'll be interesting to see how motivated they are uh, to play against uh, the Seahawks. Uh, Mo, let's go, let's go down to the AFC South. Not a pretty picture there for the Colts and what they've got themselves into. We talked about this earlier, uh, but this is a, a situation where, one, the Colts have to win out. We'll see if that can actually happen. Uh, and, two, they need some help from both the Texans and the Titans. So we're going to split over the next couple of weeks. One week we're going to root for the Titans, and next week we're going to root for the <laughs> the Texans. The Texans and the Titans. Uh, so uh, we're we're rooting for. I'm rooting for the Texans to win this game, and then the next one I'm going to need uh, the Titans to win, and we're going to need to win out. And then if 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 God shines down on us properly, we're, there still might be a gloomy path through a swamp. Uh, to get to the playoffs for the Colts. So it's all uh, selfish strategy on my part. But uh, the AFC South, the Texans, and the, and the Titans. Well, you know, uh, you, you look at uh, – and if I told any of you guys earlier in the year, if anybody said that, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to at one point going to be the hottest quarterback of the last month uh, in the NFL, one of only two to ever have a 140-plus rating in four straight games, you would have thought uh, that person would be insane, but, uh, you know, uh, not Ryan Fitzgerald, sorry, Ryan Tannehill, but, uh, you know, Tannehill, yeah. uh, I think it's found his place there with the Titans. He, he looks comfortable. Uh, he's got guys who can make plays when needed. Uh, they aren't the most talented offensive group, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he's he's found his place and his niche there in, in Tennessee, and Tennessee has looked very well, and they can get on it on on defense as well, so, uh, you know, Tennessee, it looks like they're going to be a hard team to beat. The Texans, again, have kind of been another Jekyll and Hyde team. They'll get a humongous win and, and just destroy somebody and then look terrible like they did against the Patriots and then sell apart against the Broncos. So you wonder what uh, what's going on there with the Texans. It, it, you know, is it time for a coaching change at some point? We I think we've speculated over the last couple of years that, uh, you know, that was going to be Bill O'Brien's last season. He continues to hang on as they just squeak into the playoffs. So, you know, I, I don't know what the Texans are. Uh, I, I don't know who they are at this point. And, and for the Colts, I mean, the way they played last week, four turnovers and uh, one to pick six, and you can't beat Tampa Bay. Th- that's the kind of play that's going to wind up putting me in, in the Betty Ford Clinic for Christmas. It was just absolutely <laughs> unreal to watch. Uh, I just I, I don't get what the hell is going on there. I feel bad for Frank Reich. Uh, it, it, this uh, this offensive team with the injuries they've had is just it's it's mediocre at best. It's uh, unreal what's going on in Indianapolis at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm living it. I'm 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 hearing it. I wish that it wasn't the case. But you know the good thing is, and we're not anywhere like the Philadelphia media or the New York media, but our local media can can pounce uh, when at times, and they aren't doing that, and they are being relatively calm. Uh, with Frank Reich, but one of the things though that uh, the local media here, maybe nationally as well, have their jaws on, and this is a conspiracy theory around Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri, certainly one of the best uh, kickers to play the game, first round Hall of Fame by by all accounts. Uh, 
you know, he, he uh, had as an injury, air quotes, uh, and needs to have surgery going on the IR. Very well might be the case. But what a lot of people are thinking, maybe, maybe this injury isn't IR whatever, uh, that this is just a polite way for the Indianapolis Colts to say goodbye to a, a, one of the best kickers to ever play the game. Ed, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know. I don't really know what if there would be a conspiracy theory. I mean, if he needs surgery, that'll certainly we'll find that out in the off season if he had surgery or not. Uh, maybe he's already had it. I don't know. But uh, you know, I, I don't know why they would do that. I mean, I really don't know why they would just not say be upfront and say, you know, hey, he, he doesn't have it anymore, and we're just going to release him and go with whoever else. But I don't know why you'd manufacture an injury. Uh, to kind of soften the blow for him. I mean, the guy's 47 years old. I would think he would take it just fine if they were to say you're not good enough, and he would probably agree. He hasn't kicked well enough this year. Yeah, and I think he he's discussed retirement. I think a lot of uh, all signs point that he you know he's such a competitor. He might be back. Everybody might be proven wrong, but I think he's on his his uh, his way to retirement, and that's that's okay. At least. You know, uh, we had him more t- more than the, the Patriots did. We'll say that, guys. Real quickly, another big headline uh, that that took the the thing, and it'll also be part of our thumbs up, thumbs down. We'll start with Emo, Michael Vick, to be honored as an honorary captain at the Pro Bowl. Uh, a lot of people were against it. You know, I'm a dog lover, and I I have to admit, some sins are hard to to uh, forget and forgive. Uh, I guess we looked at uh, O.J. Simpson as being one of the best 100 running backs of all time. He, he still got credit for that. However, as much as we know about O.J. Simpson, don't like him, and we all know and believe that that he he was guilty and got away with murder. Michael Vick was actually convicted of a pretty heinous thing. Yes, he paid his debts to society. Yes, he's he's uh, given a lot of money back to the education of dog fighting, and he's supposedly turned to leave what are your thoughts about him being honored as a pro bowl captain in lieu of his past mo we'll start with you well i think you know it depends on how you want to look at the story a lot of people want to look at the negative stuff and you know maybe they rightfully should because you know it it was some heinous things that he did but uh you know it's been a pretty good redemption story you know as well showing that uh, you know you can pay your debt to society you can turn things around. You can come back, and you can realize your mistakes and do everything possible uh, to try to make up for him. I mean, try to tell me one negative story about Michael Vick since he got out of prison, other than you know than the stuff that happened before. So I think that uh, you know it just depends on your mindset and, and how you want to look at it. I, I agree with what you said. I, being a dog person, I have a dog, and I think what he did was heinous. But I also believe in, in second chances, and he's done nothing at this point to think that uh, he should have a second chance. I guess so. Uh, you know, the NFL is very conscious at times about the way they look. So if they thought it was a terrible look for them, I don't see why they would do it. Uh, but, you know, it, uh, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I just I don't have a problem with him getting the, the second chance of being the honorary captain of the Pro Bowl. You know, I do agree that he paid his debt to society and agree that he did a lot of good things. It's a personal thing with me, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I'm, I have two dogs. Uh, one of the one of my dogs I got from a rescue, I, I – I love the Humane Society. I would, I would have the world's biggest rescue camp here if I could. I can't, thank God. One dog eats me out of the house and home, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I have two dogs, and my love for dogs just 
I can't get past it. And it, I, I'm glad that he paid his debt to society. Uh, I'm glad that he's moving on with his life and he's turned things around. But I have to go on the side that I just I don't think he should be honored. Ed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm like you guys. I have a dog. I've had a dog pretty much my whole life. I'm a dog lover. Um, but like most said, he has paid his debt. He served 18 months in one of the hardest federal prisons in in the in the country at Leavenworth, uh, in Kansas. Um, you know, he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't see. I know he still speaks to groups and to classrooms uh, in the Philadelphia area uh, about what he did and the mistakes that he made. But he doesn't have somebody tailing him with a camera and a microphone to ask him about it. He does it all behind the scenes and you know you mentioned oj simpson i mean oj simpson shouldn't even be mentioned in the same breath with michael vick oj simpson uh, got away with murder basically yeah. uh, he does he has no business being around the game michael vick has served his time uh it is heinous he killed dogs oj simpson killed human beings uh you know which is equally heinous didn't serve his time mike vick did hasn't been in any trouble since i've got i got to know mike a little bit when he played for the eagles and I got to tell you, he's one of the most accessible quarterbacks I've ever been around. You know, with Carson Wentz now, he's a hard guy to go up and talk to. Michael Vick, you could go up to Mike at his locker and just carry on a conversation with him when he was in, here in Philadelphia. And he would often talk sometimes about, you know, the, the mistake that he made and how he's learned a lesson from it. He was very upfront about that. So, you know, I believe in Mike Vick. I know that a lot of people were caught off guard when uh, he was found to have done that, uh, you know, committed those crimes. Even the owner in Atlanta at the time, Arthur Blank, had no idea. I honestly think that Mike Vick is on the, uh, you know, on the up and up now. He's not doing anything nefarious behind anyone's backs uh, and has paid his price. And, uh, you know, I do believe absolutely in second chances. If you have paid your penance uh, from the first crime that you committed, and Mike Vick sure has. Okay. We will we'll call it at, at that. Uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Guys, I need your official pick for the Army-Navy game. Go ahead, Ed. Oh, I'm going to say Navy 28, Army 16. Mo! I thought it was going to be my exact score, too. I, I'm right with that, Navy 28, 16. I, wow. I, I know this is going to be a low-scoring game. It's got not going to be a lot of penalties. It's a very disciplined team. This is a, always a defensive uh, game. Uh, obviously, I'm going to pick Army, but I'm going to say Army 14 to 10, low-scoring game, defensive game, but going to be – uh, good game. Ed Kratz, beat writer from Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. And you, they can find you at Ed Kratz, but let's just officially say work at the Masterpiece, sir. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you find me at Twitter, K-R-A-C-Z-E, at Kratz E. Uh, you can find uh, my stuff on SI.com. Uh, sometimes it's on the homepage there. If you just want to go to the Eagles, you just put a slash NFL slash Eagles, and uh, you'll find my stuff there. Pull up on the Army-Navy game. Go there and vote. Who do you think is going to win the Army-Navy game? Ed, have yourself a good weekend, sir. Hey, thanks. You too, guys. See ya. Mo from the BS Sports Show. Where can people find your work masterpieces, sir? Oh, gosh. I mean, if I ever put one out again, it'll be on Twitter, at Mo Radio Show. <laughs> All right, buddy. You be safe, and we'll talk with you soon. All right, Tom. Have a good weekend. Yeah, All right, buddy. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, joins us as well. I want to take some time just real quickly. Again, our salute to the academies. Uh, thank you for all that you've done. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching this game as a fan and as an American. And um, just take some time to just 
embrace it and soak it up. I say go Army, and uh, we'll see see what happens. And we did our salute to the academies. Uh, thank you, Matthew Hicks, for uh, joining us as well to talk the Homer card, the Colts, and the IU Hoosiers, the Gator Bowl. And then we did a uh, salute, some, some things maybe you didn't know about the Army-Navy game, day one at the uh, West Point, day one at the Naval Academy, and day one at the Air Force Academy in TAPS. And so I find it uh, very fitting that we go ahead and finish today's show with TAPS. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll see you next week on The Balance. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.